Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, episode 56, Opiates, Narcotics, and Amphetamines. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. This is Dr. Donna Bevanley. Helping you heal your family legacy. Well, it was really interesting this week because my last session was about marijuana and the, you know, the, the addictive qualities of marijuana. Just want to reiterate how that THC gets in your brain and it, you know, creates little, little clumps. That THC gets in there and clumps up the neurons in your brain so that they don't fire. And there's no way to get them out. You can't, re, you know, you can't get them out surgically. You can't, like, take a, another medication to get them out. They're in there for life. And so they can cause permanent brain damage. And this week, I, I came across two different studies on the impact of marijuana on the brain. And the first one had to do with um, young users, people whose brains are still forming. And what has been discovered about that is that it's still, it's still the THC gets in there and causes, you know, big clumps of your neurons to stop firing. But when you think about the impact of a child or a teenager or even a young adult's developing brain, it means that that the uh, damage is so much more profound because there's nothing for that brain to fall back on. It's still developing. Um, and, and I've actually seen this in my practice where some young person who has been smoking pot for, say, since they were 13 or 14 years old and they continue to smoke it daily. They're going to school, they're doing it. And then at some point, they just lose all of their um, interests, all of their motivation, and they just kind of sit. They don't make much sense. They tend to sometimes uh, become mentally ill. Not good. 
This is not good. The other study had to do with just, you know, daily use for an adult. It impacts the ability for a person to have really good cognitive response. It also affects the memory. And I just want to tell you that because we know that once these, um, uh, you know, once the impact of marijuana has happened, you don't recover. You don't get it back. Unlike alcohol. Hey, alcohol, people can get like wet brain from alcohol, but once they stop, the brain cells start to take over and they regenerate slowly if you're older, but they still regenerate. With marijuana, it's not so. So when you think about, well, marijuana doesn't hurt anybody, the studies that are coming out shows that, well, it doesn't cause you, say, to go out and kill people, although some people get paranoid and they might. But most people just lose their motivation. They lose their memory. They lose some cognitive function, and it doesn't come back. So I'll leave it at that. And uh, <clears throat> today I'm going to talk about opiates and narcotics first. They're very similar um, because opiates are oxy, oxycontin, oxycodone, and narcotics are like um, morphine and Demerol. There are several different kinds, but the opiates are utilized to deal with pain. And most of what um, most of the pain that opiates deal with has to do with, like, say you're going in for a surgery and they give you oxy, or say you're going in and having chemotherapy and they give you oxy. Um, people who have long, long experiences of pain, for instance, like rheumatoid arthritis, you might get somebody that's on a level of oxy all the time or opiates all the time. Now, opium, opiates are a derivative of opium, which is how heroin comes to us, okay? So when you're taking oxy, just think, well, you're giving your body heroin. It's in a different form, but it does the same thing. It numbs the uh, parts of the brain that deals with pain. And that's why people get addicted to it. Because if you're, if say you have childhood trauma or say you're going through a terrible divorce or you're involved with the legal system somehow and you stand to lose so much or, you know, say you've, you've experienced the death of somebody that you love, it causes emotional pain. And how people get addicted to this usually has to do with the emotional pain. Okay, because if it's just physical pain, that pain is going to resolve. Let's say you have a surgery. And, you know, of course, after surgery, there's, for most people, there's pain. But opiates will dull that pain and make it go away and make you really not care that it's all at there at all if you're taking oxy. But that pain will resolve, obviously. 
You know, I've had a few surgeries myself. And, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just one of those people that don't experience pain like other people. But, you know, three hip surgeries, surgeries on my feet. Um, it's, uh, you know, those are pretty big surgeries. And I've never taken oxy. I've never taken narcotics. You know, and here's a, here's a, 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 a fact of life that most, I, you know, sorry guys, if you're my friends who are doctors, but most doctors don't tell you is that ibuprofen and Tylenol actually work just as well as Oxy for even major surgeries. Okay. Because the Tylenol dulls the pain and ibuprofen is an anti-inflammatory that takes care of inflammation and fever. So that is what happens for most people after, when they get hurt, when they have some kind of a surgical procedure. And yes, I understand that some people need more after their surgery because everybody experiences uh, things differently or when they've been injured. If you have major injuries, say you're in a car accident or a ski accident or something, you might be on those other medications, narcotics and opiates for a while. But what I would say to you is that if you've taken either of these narcotics or opiates for any period of time, just even a couple of weeks, um, and they've been prescribed to you by your doctor, talk to your doctor about maybe getting off those drugs and going on to Tylenol and ibuprofen. When you look at it, it's like uh, narcotics and opiates will make you make the pain go away. One makes you feel a little bit high. The other one makes you feel a little bit low, but it kills emotional pain. My point is it kills the emotional pain for a while as well. And that is also highly addictive to people because, you know, who wants to deal with pain anyway? Um, but if you can get off those drugs before you get addicted to them, and let me just reiterate to you what addiction is, is any process that relieves an intolerable reality, whether it's physical or emotional, and becomes a priority, taking time and attention away from uh, other priorities and creating harmful consequences that are ignored. Okay, so if you find yourself, say you've had an injury or, or a surgery where you're taking opiates uh, or narcotics, and after a couple of weeks, you notice that, well, you know, people are expecting you to go back to work sometime. You just don't want to. You're just tired. Or, you know, you like, well, maybe I can, but, you know, I want to feel this other way. I don't want to get back into, you know, fighting with traffic or dealing with people that I work with or even doing a job I don't like. And so I just, I like this other way of feeling. Okay. So it takes away intolerable reality. Now, here's where we've gotten into a lot of trouble and why opiate addiction or opiates are particularly prom problematic right now. People are overdosing and dying from opiates and fentanyl too, is that these two drugs, 
are so addictive. And when you are addicted, when you get addicted to one of these drugs, what happens is that, remember, you want to get out of that reality that you're in, whether it's a physical or emotional pain. Your body gets, like, say, gets acclimated or accommodates these drugs really quickly. And what that means is that it takes more and more of the medication to achieve that desired response. So let's say you started out taking one pill every four hours. All right. After about a week or so, you need to take more than one pill every four hours to achieve the result that you got the first time. So maybe you up it to one pill every three hours. And then you decide, well, I need to take a pill every hour. Now, this is like, that happens quickly. People don't realize that once you start to realize that you need more in order to get rid of that pain, you're in danger. Because your body, you know, can't tolerate the drug in that quantity. So people will say, well, I'll just take three. And then I'll take three more at six. This is what drug addicts do. They think, okay, well, how can I break this up? How can I add more? How can I do this and still stay safe? Well, you don't know because there's no way to know how much your body can tolerate of these drugs until you overdose. And then people get to the point where it's not working very much at all. And so they say, say they've been getting it from their doctor for six months. And then the pharmacy starts saying, wait a minute, I've been filling this for a long time and I, I don't want to feel it anymore because this isn't, I know what this is. And so then people start going to another pharmacy. That pharmacy may not know that you've been filling it for six months. And then let's say you go back to the doctor and the doctor says, yeah, I'm not feeling that anymore. You need to get off it. And so the doctor steps out and you grab their uh, prescription pad. Guess what? That's a felony. And their doctor's probably going to know that their prescription pad has now left the room with you because they had it before you came. Next thing you know, the police are showing up and you're in jail and you're going to withdraw. Now, you may remember I talked about before that withdrawal from these medications along with, you know, benzodiazepines or another one where uh, you it takes more and more to get the desired result. And what benzodiazepines do, that's Valium, Librium, Ativan, Xanax, all those, is that it calms you down. But again, as those medic- as you take more and more of those medications, it's working less. So you have to take more. And when people overdose from benzodiazepines, their body, their lungs forget to breathe. They're so calm that they've literally stopped their body from breathing. 
your lungs. So, you know, and, and slowed your heart rate down so much that you literally just die. So these are very dangerous drugs. People overdose on them all the time these days. Opiate overdose is like over the top right now. You hear about all the time. You know, and and uh, one of uh, the big drug companies was sued over all of the people who have died from opiate overdose. And yet, you know, all the surgeries that I've had I'm giving you my own experience. All the surgeries that I've had, they won't let me out of the hospital until I take that, those prescriptions or they fill them in the hospital for me and hand them to me and say, here, now, you have to take these. Now, I did talk to one doctor once. I said, look, he was going to do a surgery and I said, look, I don't want those drugs. I don't want opiates i don't want narcotics i don't want benzos i don't want any of those things i will take ibuprofen and tylenol and he just looked at me and he goes yeah that'll work just fine and it was a major surgery and i said how come no one tells you this except you know me i'm not going to take those things i'm a recovering alcoholic and addict i don't want to I don't want to die because, you know, by then I've been sober for a long, long time. And oh, here's another fun fact. If you're sober for a long, long time and you take one of those drugs or you take or you start drinking again, you could die. Because your body, you know, your body continues to uh, to have the same effect as if you were taking those drugs all the time, your body is continuing to lose its tolerance for the drug, even though it's not in your body. Okay, so say you've been sober for 20 or 30 years, and you go in for a surgical procedure, you better be sure that the doctor understands that, look, this could hurt me very badly, I could die. And I'll just give you a little example of how that affected me once. I told the doctor the same thing I tell all doctors. Do not give me these drugs. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what the procedure is. I don't care how harmful and hurtful you think it'll be for me to recover. Don't give them to me. I will find a way. That's just me. Okay? Not everybody feels that way, and not everybody needs to, even if they are recovering addicts. <clears throat> and so, this surgeon, who thought he was like Mr. Hot Guy of the universe and knows everything, that's all he knows is surgical procedures, okay? Highly trained technician. And so, I went in, I had the surgery, it was successful, I came out, I had to stay overnight in the hospital, and the next day, they said, okay, in order for you to leave, you have to be able to pee and you have to be able to take this medication. And I said, remember, I don't take that medication. Uh, we know. And this is just something that is close, but not, and, you know, but not addictive. And it was, you know, I'll tell you what it is. But anyway, I was assured that it wasn't one of those drugs. And so they put it in my IV. And probably within a half hour, I was 
and this will probably gross you out, but you just need to know, projectile vomiting. And I hadn't really been able to eat very much except for maybe a piece of toast. I was, and I couldn't stop no matter what. It was like my body was saying, oh, no, can't do this. <laughs> we know what this is. We're not going to have it. And then my blood pressure went skyrocketing. And it took probably a half hour for my body to recover, to stop that, you know, vomiting sensation and for my blood pressure to come back down. I was on freaking fire, man. I was so angry. Because, of course, you know, they call the doctor. What's going on? He comes in. What's going on? I go, what did you give me? And he said, well, you know, I know what you should have. And I said, okay, uh, you're off my list. I'll never refer anyone to you. And I left. I left the hospital. Oh, and by the way, I'm, I didn't even feel any pain when I was taking the Tylenol and ibuprofen the way it was prescribed, which was every six hours, I was able to get up, do my physical therapy, get myself back in shape. And I've known other people who have experienced this. It's frightening because when you're talking to the doctor, they need you to be out of pain. And it makes sense to me. They don't want, they don't want people calling them in the middle of the night saying, oh, the pain is real, you know, which... You know, maybe it is really hard, but you're not going to die from the pain. Not from the pain of emotion, emotional pain. You're not going to die from the physical pain, from something like a surgical procedure or, you know, even an injury. It is, and daily, you get better if you do what they say. If you do PT, if you, you know, if they say you must not move that leg for eight weeks, Okay, I won't. You know, put it in a big boot. I won't. So I can't, I can't emphasize enough how highly addictive these are. And because it's part of my specialty, has been, you know, when I was working full-time as a therapist, and I still work, but not full-time, I was kind of known as the person who worked with childhood trauma and was an addiction specialist. And I knew from my own experience, but I knew from all the many people who I worked with because they would tell me about it. They would say, oh, you know, I got re-addicted because I had this this surgery. When I was younger, when I was probably about 30 some odd years old, early 30s, and I wasn't even private practice yet. I was in a community mental health clinic. And this woman came to me, was referred, because she had been, you know, started. This was back, you know, I was about 30, so we're talking back early, early on in addiction work. And there was a a program that was in California that she had started. She was a heroin addict who got sober and clean and was you know, stayed sober and clean and started this whole program for other addicts and was, and it's still there today. Um, but, um, she had, uh, hysterectomy and they gave her narcotics and she was immediately back addicted. She needed more and more and more. 
and she ended up dying, not from an overdose, but, you know, people who are addicts and they're on drugs or they're drink drunk out of their minds. If you're a woman, you are prey. And I mean, P-R-E-Y, you're prey. And she was prey and she was killed. I mean, so the, these drugs are so, so dangerous in so many ways. And, you know, as with alcohol, you know, it's like you can be drunk out of your mind and you are prey. How are you going to take care of yourself? How are you going to defend yourself? And for men, too. But women, it's like, you know, women's okay. I got to make sure nobody puts anything in my drink. Well, that's true for men, too. But men are usually the ones preying on women. So that's just a fact of life. So these are very dangerous drugs. They will kill you. You can overdose on them very easily. And then, yeah, your pain's gone, and so is any possibility of recovering from it. Okay? So I just want to, you know, I, I sound almost like a, you know, a preacher or somebody, but people are dying from these drugs. You don't need them. And if you're on them, find a way to get off of them. I've known too too many people who have overdosed. Personally, I have known them. They didn't need to die. Okay. So I, I sound a bit like a preacher. I don't care. When you've been around as long as I have as an addiction specialist, the one, the go-to one, you you know things. And this is something that I have known. And guess what? The research backs me up. So if you are on these drugs, don't stop suddenly. That's very dangerous. But, you know, talk to your doctor about getting off of them. It might take a while, but you'll feel better. Okay, talk next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com slash support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2022, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.